Let's get started right away with the podcast. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Thanks for listening. Uh, I was going to start the podcast with uh, a Tom Petty song, and uh, because Tom Petty passed away, and Tom Petty was, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was an older artist, and he started in the 70s, so 40 years ago. Um, and But I love Tom Petty. You know, he's one of those artists that you didn't really pay a lot of attention to, but you kind of loved his music because he had so many great songs that you kind of forgot about. But he wasn't an artist that really got a lot of attention. He wasn't, you know, he was never sexy. He was never outrageous. He was just Tom Petty. And he wasn't like Bob Dylan status, but he was definitely, you know, a great songwriter and great singer, etc. I never saw him in concert. Um, I think it was Chris Rock that tweeted today, Hey, go see these people while you know that you still can. I'm so glad I saw the Rolling Stones. I'm so glad I saw Kiss um, a bunch of times. I'm so glad I saw uh, pretty much every concert I've ever. Paul McCartney. Holy crap! Am I glad I saw him? I've seen him three times, and I've loved it because it's it's a freaking Beatle. So uh, that's awesome. I don't go to a whole lot of concerts because I don't like the whole process of driving across town, usually on a weeknight, uh, and then uh, parking, waiting and waiting and waiting for an opening act that shows up 45 minutes late. They play 45 minutes of material you don't know, and then it's another 45 minutes or an hour till the headliner comes on. Then you got to deal with the crowd and the parking. And you get home at 1 a.m. and you go to go to work. So I don't go to a lot of concerts, but um, the ones that I go to, they mean a lot to me. So anyway, I was going to play some Tom Petty to start off the podcast, but I'm having a little trouble. It's one of those days on the computer where things just aren't going well. Um, I tried to download the MP3s um, and it just wasn't working. And here's another time suck, getting a new phone. I know that when you know how to like download and transfer things from your old phone to your new phone, life is a breeze. And I got a friend, Nate, who listens to the podcast, who always is helpful, and he'll say, like, well, try this, try that. But for most of us people who our phone is not something that we care about technically, we just want it to work. And when I got the new iPhone 8, I had it for about 10 minutes, and then I started to immediately regret, regret it because... Everything is on my old phone, and my new phone is like, yeah, it's cool, and it's got different camera settings, but I just kind of want it to work, and I'm on day two of learning how to make it work, which I was just not into. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take a break from that. I'm going to come upstairs and do the podcast. So... What's going on? There's a lot of things that are going on. Well, first of all, we mentioned Tom Petty died. And if you're too young to be remember to remember or be affected by his music, um, that's understandable. Um, he hasn't had a hit on the radio in a very long time. But one thing that we're still reeling from is the shootings in Las Vegas. And I kind of, I mean, it's so important. And of course, I had to talk about it here on the podcast. But a lot of people will listen to the podcast maybe a month or two or a year after I recorded the podcast and it will sound super dated to be referring to things that are happening right now. So it would be kind of like if we talked about you're listening to a podcast or going, oh my God, did you hear what happened to Tiger Woods? It's like, uh, no shit. That happened five or six years ago. So um, how long ago was Tiger Woods? We really forget. So anyway, uh, I was in Las Vegas for the weekend for my anniversary and um, I was on the other end of town. You might have heard me talk about this on the radio. My wife and I were downtown, and we were asleep when it happened. We didn't even know until the next morning. We got a phone call from my daughter, Allison, saying, are you okay? 
And I'm like, oh my God, that's terrible. No point in going back to bed. We're not gonna be able to sleep. So let's go. Went downstairs. There was a, a line for cabs and no cabs. The line wasn't long yet, but as we stood there waiting, um, uh, the line got a lot longer. And we're like, whoa, glad we got here when we did. There were no cabs. The cabs were too busy or on lockdown or I don't know. But then finally a cab came. We shared it with another guy. And then I told the story and I thought, this, I'm not bragging about this, but I was kind of proud of and happy that I could do this. Uh, the cab driver was telling us a story about how he picked somebody up from jail the other day. And you could tell he was a new American. You know, he didn't speak the best English, whatever. That's fine. But he was nice and friendly and talkative. And he said he picked somebody up from jail the other day and uh, the guy from jail didn't have cab fare. I mean, he didn't have any cash on him. So he said, when you get me to where I'm going, I'll pay you with a credit card. So he got him to the cab driver, took a leap of faith, gave the guy the benefit of the doubt, drove him to his destination, and the credit card was declined. So the cab driver got screwed out of a $50 fare and plus tip. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of money. You know, when you're driving a cab, you're not doing it because you love driving a cab. You're doing it because you really need, you need the money, I'm guessing. So that was a lot of money, and he was out of it. So when I got out of the cab, I tipped the cab driver 30 bucks, and he said, that's too much. And I said, no. I said, you did a really nice thing for that guy that you picked up, and that's karma, and this is just you getting some of your $50 back. And he said, that is so nice of you. He said, I didn't tell you that story to get your sympathy. And I said, no but I wanted to do something nice for you. And so he really appreciated it. He shook my hand. And I tell you that story not to brag or impress you, but just to say, you know what? It feels good sometimes. We did a story this morning on what on things that, uh, that make you feel good. And one of them was doing something nice for somebody else. Isn't that the truth? Because sometimes we get so selfish and we're like, what can people do for me? Or what can I do to make myself feel good? Maybe somebody should make me uh, cookies, or maybe somebody should give me a back rub. But isn't it true that when you do something nice for someone, it really makes you feel good, especially if they're not expecting it. And if you don't accept any kind of payment for it, there's a lesson in my book. And this is, um, not something I plan to talk about, but we are here to talk about the podcast, take a shower, show up on time and don't steal anything. Uh, we live in Minnesota. We get snow 15 years ago or so. Um, I was shoveling out my driveway. There's probably a foot and a half of snow and shoveling out my driveway, had the snowblower or something, I don't know. A couple of guys came by, about 25 years old. They're in a truck with a plow on the front. And they, without even asking, they started plowing out my driveway. And I tried to pay them for it. And I said, thank you guys so much. I took a couple of dollars, maybe five bucks out of my pocket. And I said, thanks for doing that. Here's five bucks. Oh, no, no, no. We just want to do it just because we, we want to do it. And I insisted and I took that $5 bill and I stuffed it in the guy's shirt pocket. And then later I thought he didn't do it for five bucks. He didn't need $5. He just wanted to do it to be nice because it feels good. And I kind of took part of that away from him by paying him for it. He would have dr driven off a lot happier had I not paid him for it. And uh, sometimes you just got to let people be nice. Sometimes you just got to let people buy dinner for you without insisting. No, I insist. I have to pay my half. Let them fucking do it. If they want to pay dinner for you, pay for dinner. Let them do it. Okay, so what are we going to talk about today? Um, I've been reading Gucci Mane's book. Gucci Mane, I don't even know one of his songs. You could play a Gucci Mane song for it. I don't, all I know is that he's big and he's a rapper and he's pretty hardcore. Um, uh, and why am I reading Gucci Mane's book? 
well, not because I'm a fan, but because I thought there's got to be something that this guy could teach me that I don't know. There's got to be something that I can learn from this guy that I don't know. Because I don't hang out with guys like Gucci Mane. Guys like Gucci Mane don't hang out with guys like me. And I think it's important to, well, let me back up a little bit. So I was at the pool at the Golden Nugget getting a towel the other day. And two guys, they're probably 22 to 25 years old, a couple of black guys that work in there. They're like, you're reading a Gucci Mane book? And I'm like, yeah, I love Gucci Mane. They're like, what? You look like you love the Rolling Stones or you'd love Bob Seger. And I laughed and they laughed. And, and I said, you know, I said, I don't know anything about Gucci Mane, but I figure he's somebody that I could learn something from because he's nothing like me. I'm nothing like him. And I said, don't you think that it's true that you can learn a lot from people that you that you don't have a lot in common with and get a different perspective. Because I think that's true. We hang out with the people with people that are a lot like us. And yeah, we enjoy that and we're comfortable with that. And I think that that's fine, but are we going to really get a lot of different perspective? It's kind of like this. Think about if you are liberal and you only can ha- handle hanging out with your liberal friends. Well, that's fine. I understand that. But you're never going to learn anything about the way the other side thinks. Same thing if you're conservatives. Like, oh, I'm not going to hang out with any liberals. Well, I think that you can, obviously. we Whether you're liberal or conservative or somewhere in between, um, as long as we stay away from that, we can we get along just fine. I have a lot of friends that don't have the same political beliefs as me. We get along just fine. Um, and But I think that if we only hang out with the same tribe of people with the same belief system, we really don't ever learn anything. And how can we ever grow anything except more stubborn and more pissed off if we only listen to people that have our same viewpoints? So anyway, I kind of told the guy that, you know, I I figure I can learn a lot from Gucci Mane because he's nothing like me. And so the other guy walked off. We were talking about something else. And then he said, you know, you're right. We probably can learn a lot from people who aren't like us. And I'm like, hey, and I walked away thinking that's, That's true. I mean, maybe I struck a chord with this guy. Anyway, um, so uh, I got a list of things here. Oh, guess what? We have a Google Voice number. This is big news. You can now leave a Google voicemail for the show, for the podcast, and all you got to do is call it and leave a voicemail. And here's the number. 612-405-9359. So now, in addition to being able to send an email about the podcast to Dave Ryan at kdwb.com or leaving any comment on our Facebook page, take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything, you can now leave a voicemail. I don't know if you'll call, but I wish you would. I hope you'll call and talk about... Let me me ask you this one. Here's something I want you to talk about. Um, If you could teach a class in something, what would you be able to teach a class in? Me, probably be able to teach a class in public speaking. As a matter of fact, I've taught a couple of classes in public speaking, and that's what I could teach about. Um, I could also probably teach magic because I love magic. What would you teach about and why? Why did you get so good at this? Um, And leave that on my voicemail. I would love to put some voicemails in the podcast just to spice it up a little bit. 612-405-405. 9359. I think there might be something on there that's like, hey, it's Dave. And sometimes it asks you for your number for, or for not for your number, but for your name first. But uh, it rings a bunch of times, then leave a voicemail. Um, I learned about public speaking, not because I'm on the radio, especially, but because about 20 or 25 years ago, I went to speak at Woodbury High School on career day. And now here I am, you know, probably 30 years old. And I know 
a lot about radio, and the kids there were very eager to hear about it, and I was so nervous that it was distracting to me and to them, and it pissed me off. I thought, I can't even speak in front of a group of high school kids who are very welcoming and glad to have me there. God damn it, what can I do about this? So what did I do about it? I did nothing, nothing at all. Until about 15 years ago, a friend of my daughter's said, hey, I'm going to Toastmasters. And I said, I've heard of Toastmasters. Can I come along with? And she's like, yeah. So I went with my daughter's friend. She was probably 24. And I went with her to Toastmasters. And she dropped out after a month or two, but I stuck with it. And eventually became president of the club and and won some awards for speaking. But I think that the thing that, that I learned a lot in Toastmasters, but the biggest thing I learned is what an important skill public speaking is. It really is. There's so many people that can't do it. And it's helped with everything from my radio show to talking to groups to talking to schools. If I go to, if I went to like career day at Woodbury High School, I would nail it. Uh, but because I love that stuff now, and I've really learned to, I went from not liking speaking to I love public speaking. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think next week I'm going to go talk to American Family Insurance if we can work it out. Um, uh, and I've spoken to everything from Cargill to um, what's the one? Uh, it's over by the airport, and I can't remember it right now. C.H. Robinson. And I've talked to um, organizations, businesses all over town, and I love it. So I would teach public speaking. What would you teach if you were going to teach something uh, like an online class or a, a presentation? Hold on, I think I just muted myself. There we go, I'm back. Uh, the number is 612-405-9359. All right, um, I'm going to wrap up with a chapter from my book. I think we're ready to do that. You know, I talked about the shootings briefly, and I mentioned how talking about them would sound a little bit dated. Uh, the only thing I can say about that is, you know, it's just it, it, how can this have never happened 50 years ago. 50 years ago, there was no such thing as mass shootings. There were just as many guns back then, maybe. There were enough guns, certainly, but there were no mass shootings. The first one I remember, um, that I remember, was in San Ysidro, California, at McDonald's in about 1982 or three or four. Guy goes in and shot a bunch of people, kids that came for ice cream, kids that rode up on their bikes, just people. And I think he killed around 20 people, something like that. And nobody had ever heard of anything like that. Well, there was one back in the 60s, a guy who just went crazy, and he climbed to the top of a clock tower at a university in Texas, maybe Austin or San Antonio, I don't know, and um, and he shot a bunch of people with a high-powered rifle. Well, And then the cops eventually kind of climbed up there and kind of surrounded him and killed him, And but the next one wasn't until San Ysidro at McDonald's in 82 or 83 or 84, whenever it was, and now you hear about them once or twice a year or more, whether it's a few people, Virginia Tech, where it's dozens of people, or I think there was one here in town at the FedEx or UPS place uh, 10 years ago. It's just awful. And 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 Conan O'Brien had something really profound to say about this. So he got to work the other day, I think on Monday, and one of his writers handed him a folder and said, hey, here's something to review. These are your remarks, what you said the night after the uh, shooting at Virginia Tech. Here's the remarks after the Pulse nightclub shooting. Here's the remarks you made after this shooting. Here And Conan O'Brien, I didn't see it, but he had a very profound um, insight. He said, 
what in the world have we come to when a nighttime comedian talk show host has to have a folder of different remarks he's made after different shootings? Isn't that profound? Isn't that terrible and scary? I don't know what causes it. Nobody knows what causes it. But isn't it interesting that nobody did this 50 years ago or 60 years ago or 70 years ago? I don't know why they do it. I wonder if there were no media coverage, would they do it? I wonder if there were no internet or social media, would they do it? The kids at Columbine, they didn't have social media or really internet. I don't know why they did it. I don't, I, I don't know why. And uh, if you want to read a great book, there's one called Columbine. It's just simply called Columbine. And I can't remember the author, but it talks about how, hey, these kids weren't bullied. These kids were bullies themselves. These kids weren't loners. These kids got sex. They had dates. They had girlfriends. They had friends. They weren't loners. They were just fucked up. And a really profound thing, didn't mean to get off on this tangent, um, was Dylan Klebold's mom. Really interesting. Um, there were two kids, Eric Harris, who was the really psycho one, and then Dylan Klebold, who was just suicidal, and that was his buddy. Um, and of course, after it happened, everybody looked at her and said, how could you not know? And I thought the same thing. How could you not know that your son was a suicidal, homicidal, sick killer? How could you not know? And she said, I've struggled with that for years because I thought I knew. I thought I knew that he was okay. I thought I knew that he was happy. I thought I knew. And you think about that. You know, if you have kids, and I have kids, I got a kid that's right around that age. And you know, you do. You think you know everything about them or most everything. You don't know everything, but you think you know enough. And you think you would recognize it. You know, you look at somebody like uh, Chester Benning Bennington from Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park, and his wife said she had no idea that he was about to kill himself. Like 18 hours, 36 hours before he did, she has a video of him playing Bean Boozled with their six kids or some of their kids, and it's like, he seems happy. It doesn't seem like anybody. So t sometimes you don't know. And I, I think I learned from when she said that. you Sometimes you think you know and you don't know. Doesn't mean you should stop trying to get to know what's going on with your kids, that's for sure. But anyway, wrapping it up. Okay. Thanks for listening, by the way. Here we go with chapter 13 in my book, Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Uh, I love this one. I use it all the time, and it came up again the other day. The chapter is called, It's Better to Have It and Not Need It Than to Need It and Not Have It. Here we go. I'm reading. I don't know where my dad got this expression, but he used it regularly to piss me off by saying it. Going camping? Dave, it might rain. You should take your poncho. I'd mumble some reason not to, usually because it was too much effort to find it and put it in my backpack. And then here it comes. Better to have it not need it than to need it and not have it. Of course, he was right. Two days later, I'd be shivering in some remote wilderness, looking like I'd just gotten out of a washing machine, wishing I'd brought the stupid poncho. If it hadn't rained... It wouldn't have been a big deal. I would have just left it in my backpack. Like most parents, I use my dad's annoying lines on my kids now. My son will head out the door with no jacket to a Friday night high school football game. You better take a hoodie, Carson, I'll remind him. I don't need one, Dad. It's warm out, he protests. This is where I feel it is my time to shine. Well, it might get cold later, and it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. I would say, as if it's the most prof profound nugget of wisdom ever spoken. I know it pisses my son off, but he'll be saying it to his kids one day. I'm sure of that. You know, as I read that, I think I realized we did that one just a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago. But I like it, and it's simple to understand. Um, and it's still one of my favorites, one of my favorite chapters in the book. 
pick it up at Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com, Itascabooks.com. There is a Kindle version of it that's about half the price. Send an email for the podcast. Any ideas or thoughts, send it to Dave Ryan at kdwb.com. Comment on our Facebook page. I'm going to go update that. I don't think I've updated that in quite a while. And we've got a phone number now to leave a voicemail. 612-405-9359. And you can leave a voicemail. I'd love to play back your voicemail about what you would teach if you could. I'll put that on Facebook too. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate you and your time and whatever you're doing. If you're, I don't know, out for a run or at the gym or painting or listening in the car, I appreciate it. And uh, we try to do this every week, trying to do it pretty regularly every week. And I think we've succeeded for the last several months. All right, you take care. Have a good week. And we will talk to you next time on Take a Shower. Show up on time and don't steal anything.